0: Emerging from COVID-19, especially after the COVID-19 crisis has accelerated the underlying trends of low growth and labour utilisation and higher unemployment, what can we do to strengthen our labour market? What are the drivers behind the situation? And what lessons can we learn from countries that have walked a similar path before us? In this podcast, we will be discussing the latest research conducted in conjunction with the German Development Corporation and the International Food Policy Research Institute, the research is entitled Addressing Low Labour Utilisation in South Africa, and it identifies the challenges facing South Africa's labour market. Given the tensions that rise with high unemployment and exclusion, as seen by the riots that, we, that have escalated over the past week, this research could not be more pertinent. And today, we are joined by Andreas Vortgette, one of the co-authors of this paper, and we will be focusing on which direction South Africa should adopt in order to build back its labour market. All the way from Austria, welcome to the podcast. It is a pleasure to have you with us today, Andreas.
1: Thank you very much, and greetings to South Africa.
0: (laughs) Thank you. So before we get into the above-mentioned technicalities, what is it that drew you to this area of research?
1: Well, I'm an economist, and uh, originally I have started um, as a mathematician, but then I figured out that my contribution doing mathematics would not be enough (laughs) <laughs> to, um, to to earn uh, enough income to uh, sustain my uh, living costs, so I moved into economics, and um, I always was interested in uh, finding ways to um, to support politicians with analysis and studies and and papers that could allow them <clears throat> to improve their. Uh, their their, their decision-making capacity and so after doing my sort of academic uh, groundwork at uh, the Technical University in in Vienna I moved to um, the Institute for Advanced Studies which was established by the Ford Foundation in Austria after the war in order to um, help overcoming the losses that Austria had suffered through the uh, Holocaust and emigration of its uh, Jewish population, which was a very important part of the academic uh, society. And then I was lucky enough to join the OST in in 2000, and there, over time, <clears throat> I mean, a, a theme developed that, that's called uh, Better Policies for Better Lives. And I think that's actually saying it all. And so I'm in mean, the center of the attention of um, my work was always uh, to improve policies so that um, measures could be taken in order to improve the living conditions of people.
0: Yes, very nice. So, in your research, now I understand why we, uh, we look at the OECD, and you mentioned that in the 2010 OECD Economic Survey of South Africa, and it draws attention to the fact that at the time, South Africa had a very high inactivity rate of people. Why was this the case?
1: Well, um, like all big problems, uh, there are no no simple explanations, and and there is certainly no only causal uh, explanation for for this phenomenon. <coughs> I mean, South Africa, in terms of labor utilization, and just in, in a moment, I will explain what we understand by this. Yes, is is sticking out. I mean, labor utilization you can imagine as an indicator of um how much employment opportunities are provided for the population in working age and not being disabled and 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 handicapped by uh, whatever other reasons um and and allow allow the the population to um to earn income from from uh, work that is provided. On the, on the labor market, meaning uh, what we exclude here is sort of work that is happening within families. Yeah? That is sort of not our concern here. Yes. And uh, when we compare South Africa with, with other countries, both middle-income and high-income countries, then we see that, that this labor utilization indicator <clears throat> is, is indicating a much lower, Ability of the economy to employ the population in working age. Um, This is true both in terms of uh, a comparison with uh, with Brazil, for instance, that's a country that is often compared with South Africa, but also other countries like Mexico or or Poland or Turkey. Yeah, even Turkey has a much higher labour utilization rate than South Africa. Also in Turkey, another issue uh, is uh, important, uh, and that is the low employment rate of women, which is typical for, for Muslim countries. And uh, so when I, uh, I started to uh, to look more closely into South Africa and, and its issues from 2007, um, and and at that time, uh, the, let's say that the, there was a consensus, <clears throat> more or less, um, not only concerning South Africa, but all, more or less all countries, that if there is a labor market issue and, and low labor utilization means low uh, employment rate, high unemployment rate, high inactivity rate, then that must have to do with um, labor regulations and so the the primary focus of other international organizations and also academics in in south africa in order to find out what is the background or what is the reason for for this um, phenomenon focused on labor market issues and um sort of when 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 i took uh you like a fresh look on on things then i discovered that there is another at least as important uh, issue which is um which is the monopolization of the economy so um i would say that there are certainly issues on the labor market that uh, in terms of labor market regulations that contributes to this dysfunctional uh, labour market in, in South Africa. But equally important is the, the low ability of the economy to innovate, to create new businesses and to create new employment opportunities.
0: Very interesting. And so when we look at these issues, this was before COVID, um, the COVID pandemic hit us. So now with covid these things have just been exacerbated and when we look at i mean I we'll we'll get to that later but what were the types of policies we used to address these issues from 2010 or in the past decade that uh, have worked and what can we learn from them
1: Well, I mean, if we separate um, labour market policies or economic policies in pre-COVID and uh, post-COVID uh, related measures, then um, of course the, the, the South African government was aware of, uh, or the governments in in the past were aware of of the issue, and I I would say South the South African. Government administration is certainly among the champions yeah in providing analysis in reports uh, like the National development plan, growth plans every all all these uh, documents were very clearly identifying uh, the the problems uh, that uh, hampered uh, higher uh, employment in, in South Africa. But the weak point in South Africa is to get things done. Yeah. So when we look at what has been done, then we see that that maybe <clears throat> one unifying theme is that in South Africa uh, measures tend to protect existing employment opportunities. Yeah, and are not so much. Uh, concerned with creating new opportunities, yeah? I mean, one, one example that I find very telling in this respect is the Black Economic Empowerment uh, yes. Program in all um, succeeding uh, variants. <clears throat> I mean, the the, the, the intention is certainly a noble one, yeah? and and the intention is to to contribute to a fairer distribution of wealth in the society and in the economy. Yeah, but the way how these programs were implemented was that as I would um, see more in allowing um, blacks to participate in existing in the distribution of existing monopoly rents and not so much contributing to what is bitterly needed and that is a dynamic black entrepreneurial dynamism in the economy yeah, which, is, which is actually the, the, the recipe how all the, the the dynamic market economies and especially the Asian, Asian economies Mm-hmm. Um, are thriving. I mean, what you, what you need is businesses, entrepreneurs that are creating new uh, employment opportunities by um, making use of the most uh, successful and, and most productive new technologies, and in the course of this also contribute to um, uh, innovative uh, activities. And and this this is this is missing in in South Africa, and it is I think it is missing because whenever a good idea in that respect uh, is developed, yeah, then immediately the concern is okay. So what does that mean for existing um, employment opportunities? And here I think it might be also interesting to learn from, um, let's say, experiences in, in advanced economies, like, let's say, Germany and, and also Austria, but also the, the Netherlands, Benelux country, or Scandinavia, where, uh, let's say, industrial policy, when it was um, carried out, was always primarily focusing on productivity and then it was considered to be the the role of the government to provide let's say uh, measures and and to provide opportunities for those employments and, and even businesses that would be uh, driven out of the of the market and, and let's say would lose their job in order to find to find new employment opportunities and to establish new employment opportunities. So I think it is important to consider uh, that these two things belong together. I mean, Mm -hmm. there is a great Austrian economist that is still frequently referenced. This is um, Schumpeter. And Schumpeter was creating this term of creative destruction. And what he understood was that, I mean, the role of the crisis is to, <clears throat> let's say, a combination of destruction and creation. Yeah? So old jobs, old businesses that are not productive anymore, that are not competitive, go out of business, usually in a crisis, mm-hmm. yeah, and are replaced by new businesses. Um, that um, use uh, new technologies that provide new services that uh, produce new goods, and and that actually is what is what is improving living standards, increasing incomes, and uh, uh, making yes. um, the economy a, a better place to, uh, to live in.
0: Yes. So it's very interesting when you speak about the role of black entrepreneurship or entrepreneurship in general in an economy. What role do you think the informal sector plays in this regard in South Africa?
1: Well, um, um, I mean, my understanding was that uh, this is one, one of the areas where still some, uh, let's say, appetite in uh, inheritance is, uh, is visible. I mean during the old system um one of the main purposes in economic in the economic sphere was to generate uh good um uh, business opportunities for the white population and one way to do that was of course to block uh businesses for entry by black entrepreneurs i mean that that was one one way Initially, it was done in form of um, an an administrative regulation, which just made it difficult or impossible for blacks to open uh, businesses. And um, my feeling is that still some of these regulations uh, survived. They survived in in the context of a fight against the black economy, to some extent against criminal activity, money laundering and uh, things of that sort. And and so so it is just more difficult in South Africa compared to other, let's say, middle income uh, countries. Uh, to to run an informal business yeah i mean a small a, a, a small shop or uh, a small repair outlet or or something of the, of that sort yeah? I, I think one of the reasons why uh, informal activities are less widespread in south Africa compared to other uh, let's say middle income countries like let's say turkey or um maybe uh, mexico i'm not talking about india or countries of that sort yeah but <laughs> the countries with similar income level is that um that business regulation in in south africa is let's say making um let's say, not enough distinction between informal activity and criminal activity yeah so informal activity is very quickly considered to be criminal activity yeah and, mm-hmm. and so that that is blocking that is blocking uh, lots of uh, inactive uh, south africans from Let's say taking up a little bit of work. Of course, I mean I do not consider I do not consider informal work as the ultimate mm. uh, solution for South Africa's inactivity problems. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but it's it's a it, it's it's an in, can be an intermediate step. Yeah. And yes. That one that, the, well, maybe business regulations that are dealing with informality could be softened while at the same time and I'd, I think one one issue in, in, in South Africa is, uh, is especially important um, that is the question of um, the safety of women as uh, if you like on the way to and from work. Yes. So, and uh, that, that is also something that is very important for for women to think about uh, picking up uh, 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 a job or, or participating in, in economic activity,
0: definitely. And speaking of safety and our current situation, as we mentioned, this is, you know, really <laughs> the, the pertinent time to to consider these things and look how how strong our you know police forces and our all our institutions, but if we look at now, as we said, um, the issue of this COVID pandemic, this has definitely exacerbated some of the issues, and the government tried to help the labour market by increasing social welfare grants and introducing a special grant for adults that previously did not qualify. We had a 350-rand COVID-19 social relief of distress grant, which, although being below the food poverty line, provided much support for our people. But if we look at the social unrest brought on by such high unemployment, and we also consider how big our public deficit is and what the government can actually do, what role should grants play going forward?
1: Well, just to to make it clear, I mean, when we were crafting this report, we were not at all thinking about events as they happen. Yes, yes. And and I, I would not. I would insist that that um, we do not have uh, we do not have uh, solutions and recommendations at hand, yeah that would mm. provide uh, any any answer to this uh, to this terrible terrible situation. Yeah. Now concerning COVID measures, I mean more or less all around the world, um, uh, temporary grants uh, supports uh, <clears throat> have. Been provided, yeah, you know, for people that, for or for the population in in need. Yeah, you know, that is uh, that that's that's true more or less everywhere. <coughs> and I would say, I mean, of course, one as an economist, one would always worry about about debt, yeah, because it is carried forward as a burden for future. Uh, economic activity no question about that but <clears throat> i mean what what is the alternative yeah i mean keynes in in one discussion said in i mean in the long run uh in the long run uh, we are all dead yeah so yes that means see, if we focus on on optimal policies let's say over their life cycle yeah then, then we are missing out lots of short-term misery that that would not be addressed. So, I would say debt increases. Uh, uh Let's say for uh, COVID, that that uh, the consequence of COVID measures. Uh, I mean, this is a second or third order uh, concern. I mean, that is. That, I mean, the big issue is. <clears throat> the big issue is how can how can this support be designed, yeah, in a way that makes the economy and the society more resilient, yeah, afterwards. Mm-hmm. I mean that I think that is a, the, the big issue and, and I'm sure that you have you have other projects that, that are dealing with that. I mean certainly um Eliminating uh, entry barriers for for businesses, I mean, this is this is one way to to go forward. Just make it easier for entrepreneurs to set up a new business. I mean, that's mm. that that is um, that, that is uh, very important.
0: Yes, and and I think when we look at this, we are now seeing some of the issues that have been exacerbated, and in your Paper you mentioned a lot of the constraints that our labour market was facing, you know some of which were the inflexible labour markets and you know the deficiencies of the school to job transition. Could you tell us more about those constraints that our labour market that you identified in our labour market? Yeah,
1: I would like to talk about two things. One is the issue of the school to job transition, and when I speak about a school to job transition, then I mean uh the <clears throat> transition of secondary school leavers, yeah that are not going on to university but are looking for a job and and here again, the situation in in South Africa is much much worse than in other countries now in many countries, let's say labor market entrants they always face difficult times, yeah but in South Africa the youth unemployment rate is, is around 50% which means that half of the of the school leavers are sitting around without a job for years and and I mean this is this is an unacceptable uh, situation and that can that should not be should not be tolerated now let's say looking at <clears throat> at countries that have found a successful solution and I, I I would hear because the, the 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 research was also supported by a German institution I I would mention Germany now in in Germany there is a, a system um of vocational training yeah which uh, puts a uh, great uh, puts a lot of emphasis on the participation of the future of the employers of school leavers, both in terms of selecting them and also placing them in vocational training programs. Yeah? And, and this, this is missing in South Africa completely. Yeah? So, I mean, I think a, a transition should be found where employers of school leavers yeah, have a much bigger role in um, choosing uh, the the right curriculum for these uh, for these youngsters and also for providing for providing the on the job training in the in on the workplace and also for participating. In uh, designing the curriculum for the various uh, vocational training programs. Now, let's say in Germany, the system is taking place with very little public uh, public funding. Yeah, it's basically funded by employers and, to some extent, also by the employees, meaning the school leavers, the youngsters. Yeah, because they have to accept a wage during this training period which is significantly below uh, the minimum wage yeah so uh, if you like the 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 financing of this uh, of this very successful program is 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 done by employers and, and and employees and the program is very successful because let's say about half of a cohort that is leading secondary school, yeah, mm. in, I'm talking about Germany, is participating in such a program and youth unemployment is in the order of magnitude of, of around um, 10%. So it's one fifth of what, what it is in, in, in South Africa. Yes. So um, I, I think here, um, uh, the discussion has to go far beyond learnerships and uh, the employment uh, tax incentive uh, programs, and things. but it has to really bring in the active participation of the business community in employing mm-hmm. uh, youngsters. I mean, this is other school leaders. It's, it's, that that is that is very important. Now the second the second issue that i that i find um, f- find sticking out uh, in 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 south africa is the more or less complete absence yeah of a public employment service i mean <coughs> employment service i i mean this this is these are institutions that provide placement services that offer qualification opportunities that also provide, uh, I mean, public uh, employment services provide mobility support, to some extent also housing support when it comes to relocation and things of that Mm. sort. For instance, again, talking about Germany, the German Public Employment Service employs about 100,000 counselors. That means one hundred thousand counsellors are concerned with finding jobs for the about five million uh, job applicants yeah, in, in that Germany has within within a year. Yeah. I mean there's nothing comparable uh in in, in South Africa and what is even more important is 100,000 um, counselors, they also they look at each individual case of a job ap- applicant, yeah, someone that is searching for a job, is, um, establish a profile for this job seeker, for this unemployed person, and also provide a, a suggestion for an appropriate requalification program, in case the inability to find a job also has something to do with the lack of appropriate uh, qualification. Yes. And I mean, in a country where you have, let's say, 25 to 30 percent registered unemployed and an additional 15 percent inactives. I mean the, it is clear that there is an issue that cannot be dealt by the by the private sector uh, job placement uh, centers uh, alone i mean you because there are external effects in, in involved i mean every every job seeker <clears throat> that is finding a job yeah is is Contributing to economic activity, eventually paying taxes, and um, improving uh, also the situation for others, and and this is a this is an outcome that uh, is is not uh, remunerated yeah for or cannot be remunerated mm. for for private um, job placement uh, businesses and and therefore this is something i would i would say again especially because germany is involved in uh, supporting this uh, research one should strengthen as i know that there are that there, there are cooperation activities between the german pu- public employment services uh, and the south african department of labor but these should be strengthened and they should be put into uh in into place maybe in form of pilot programs yeah in a province mm-hmm. in 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 a district or in 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 a sector yeah oh,
0: it should be um, wonderful
1: yeah so that's uh, yes so so these yes. these are these are two I mean, a third, <laughs> one could call it, elephant in the room. Yes. Yeah, is, uh, is 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 uh, um, the uh, the traditional settlement areas. Now, when we look at the sociological characteristics of traditional settlement areas, then we see that these are areas where there is less economic activity than in other areas in in South Africa um the um the the head of the household is more often uh, female yeah um because the the men are migrating to work somewhere else yeah and what is i think very important is that mobility uh, in these traditional settlement areas is significantly reduced because of the specific land tenure governance yeah so in, in many of these areas it is common practice that uh, that land yeah is owned collectively yeah so and, uh, and, and that this the, the land governance is such That the members of this uh, area uh, can settle, can build their houses when they found a family and uh, things of that sort, but um, but they do not have an individual an individual entitlement to this land. I mean, even when lived when living on this on 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 this in These traditional settlement areas uh, the the governance is still is still collective yeah and this is producing um, personal and economic mobility now one could say okay this is this is a political decision, and um, if South Africans want it that way then it it should be but it it is not necessary yeah that this is coupled. With economic outcomes that that are clearly inferior, mm-hmm. and therefore I would say that there should be a national dialogue with the leaders in traditional settlement areas that makes them responsible not only for let's say traditional uh, living conditions and um, cultural heritage and things like that. Sort, also gives them the responsibility for making these areas also um, open for dynamic economic activity yeah
0: now the way how
1: that 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 should be done that that is of course open to experimentation yeah i mean one, one will have to find out and i'm far from 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 saying that i would have uh, uh, let's say working uh recipes here but it is something that is other uh, the that uh, the, this issue is also for instance studied in um at the oecd because traditional settlement areas are not uh, south african uh, speciality alone and yeah? they also have that in in north north america with the indians and <clears throat> there are good and bad examples yeah i mean okay in some in some areas maybe a bad example is to to allow uh, activities that are banned in other countries like gambling now i would not support that because <laughs> i mean gambling is having disastrous consequences yeah if not regulated, uh, yes. Uh, efficiently. but there there, 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 should be other uh, opportunities, yeah, and other possibilities. But it is something that um, the, where the let's say the, the leaders and the elites in the traditional settlement uh, areas cannot close their eyes, yeah, and. Um, I mean to some extent the only thriving business in these areas are funeral businesses Mm -hmm. and and i think that should not be it yeah yes yes
0: definitely gosh and i mean you're going to so many points in your paper and i just wish we had more time to go into them all but i think you know as we start to sort of close off all these all these wonderful points I think there is a you know there's a very strong relationship between economic growth and employment, and essentially sustainable job creation depends on the ability to sustain production so as my last question um what would you say are the policies holding us back from this now, and what do you think we could do imminently to address this this problem with the urgency it deserves?
1: Yeah, uh, I think here, uh, most importantly, I should come back to this issue of um, the regulatory environment uh, for business. I mean, the, mm-hmm. one of the, let's say, survival strategies of the economic survival strategies of the apartheid area, uh, apartheid um, regime was to uh, to create and to support and to, to maintain national champions. So. There, there was an, a, a tendency, yeah, to, to to support monopolies, yeah, in throughout throughout the economy, because uh, these monopolies would um, would reap um, economies of scale and they would be more productive and um, they, they would also be more powerful in in order to find ways uh, around uh, the. The international embargo uh, at, at that time, and so I th- I think that if sort of this <clears throat> this sentiment that actually monopolization is is good for the economy is still surviving in 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 many areas, yeah, and unnecessarily surviving because. We know, and and, and this is uh, the this is research at the OECD that also has been leading in, in terms of uh, academic publications. We know that competition, yeah, mm-hmm. or the lack of competition, generates a lack of, of innovative activity and eventually reduces productivity growth and employment creation. Therefore, I would say that <clears throat> Uh, on top of the very successful institutional arrangement, the competition authority, and and so on, it is important to uh, strengthen, yeah, the the attitude that <clears throat> that eliminating entry barriers into businesses is a good thing, even yeah, if it may. Make lives harder for the existing businesses, yes. because then these existing businesses will also think harder about um, how to to um, improve their own businesses, how to to uh, increase productivity, how to maybe find new new markets with new services and new goods. Domestically or abroad, yeah? Uh, So that I think this is this is a very important uh, aspect of economic policy and especially industrial policy. Yes. Um, Now the the second thing, of course, is that um, for a country like South Africa, I mean, South Africa is is maybe also unique in terms of um, let's say a two sector uh, aspect. I mean, there is one sector or one part of the economy that is that is on the efficiency frontier worldwide yeah and then the, the, there is a large part of the economy that is way back comparable to uh to a developing economy yeah so it is this it is as if yeah let's say a country like switzerland <laughs> would be embedded in. Yeah, let's call can take any any country on the on the continent, <laughs> um, and and the question now is what is making it difficult for the Switzerland within South Africa, yeah, to expand. Yes. Yeah. And to uh, to 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 employ more South Africans, yeah. And if you like, what what should be done for the non-Switzerland part of South Africa? Yeah, I just call it mm-hmm. like this, not to offend anyone. Yes. Um, in order to be, to become like Switzerland, yeah, which should actually be easier in South Africa because you have the Switzerland next door. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you are in the Central African Republic and you want to become like Switzerland okay then uh, i mean mm-hmm. that's, that's maybe a big jump in 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 one go to 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 achieve but in south africa you have the you have switzerland in house yeah it is there yeah yes. so the question why is that why why does this catch up of the non switzerland but, and the expansion of the Switzerland economy within South Africa not, not uh, function better yeah? yes and yeah
0: yes, I think that's a, a very nice way of, of pushing it, and I think it really highlights the issue of this growing inequality, and I think we really need to address bridging that gap as soon as as soon as possible. so thank you, Andreas. Is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners today? I uh, could chat for hours on this topic. I find it very interesting. But uh, <laughs> if I just thank had to ask one last much. thing.
1: <laughs> I think I'm just, I would just like to come back to what I said at the beginning, South Africa, or well, South African government being the champion of reports, of analysis, um, so on. And now I would say the time has come act and yes. implement the recommendations that the government <coughs> itself has has uh, formulated and, and given to itself.
0: Yes, the time is now. Thank you very much for your time, address, and we really appreciate all the hard work and research you have been conducting in this field, and it's really a pleasure to have you with us today. Um, We certainly look forward to hearing you again on Wednesday, the 28th of July at 3pm when you will be discussing this research in more detail in our live event. There will be more information about that to come. Thank you also to our listeners and uh, please follow us on our social media channels and share this podcast with anyone you may know that would be interested in learning more about building back South Africa's labour market in a post-COVID world. We cannot underestimate the issues, that the urgency of acting now, and uh, we hope to disseminate this research in the best way possible. Thank you for listening. Till next time, have a good day. Thank you very much for this
1: conversation.
0: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.